they sent me to a men's prison um, and put me in uh, segregated housing there um, uh, in in seg uh, in in the shoe. You might have heard that on Orange Is the New Black, which was a show I was able to watch season one of and then found season two kind of difficult. It gets better because it has to get better. Welcome to the Made of Human podcast. I'm Sophie Hagen. I'm a Danish stand-up comedian, and I'm the host of this podcast, Made of Human podcast, also called Mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D. Uh, this is the Avery Edison, her second episode. She's been on once before, quite a while ago now. She's one of my favorite people, and I... <laughs> this is a this is a special episode, right? It's not a two-parter. It's not... Um, it's just special. And I know... Uh, it thrilled me. Listening to Avery say all of these things, it excited me to my core. I don't know, there was so I became I felt like almost bloodthirsty <laughs> because she's and she's so funny as well. Like it is it, basically you could cut out everything that I say in this episode and it would almost be better because it's it, this is almost like a stand-up hour from Avery and it's so good. Uh and I urge you to Stick through it. Listen to the end, because it only gets better and better. And uh, she's uh, ah, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. So, but it is a special one. It's um, and you'll see why. It, it's unlike. I basically I said to her, um, "Do you want to do the the podcast again?" And she said, "Yeah, we're gonna. Are we gonna talk about the police?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the police. Yeah, we are." So she even came prepared, and it was um, glorious. So I really hope you'll enjoy it. It is special. You gotta love Avery. Like, you got to. She's, yeah, she's amazing. And, uh, yeah, I think I made that very clear now. So I will uh, move on. Um, my tour is almost over. I'm in Denmark next week. Uh, uh, most shows are sold out, apart from Odense, Olbo, and uh, Odense, Olbo, and Aarhus. So go get tickets for that, sophiehagen.com. I would, you know what I would, if I was you, go to sophiehagen.com, sign up for my newsletter. Then you'll know everything I do. Because, I mean, who knows what happens before this comes out, right? So my newsletter uh, also goes to madeofhumanpodcast.com, where you can also sign up for that newsletter. Then you get told about the new uh, live episodes that I'm starting to do. I'm going to do some at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I'm going to do some at the Brighton Fringe Festival. I'm going to do loads in London and possibly Sweden. I just got an email. Who knows? We don't know if that's going to happen, but loads of uh, live podcasts happening out there. So uh, all the newsletters, sign up for all of them. And um, yeah, so just just do that. Come to my Denmark shows. And then I think we're done. Like my tour is over, so there'll be less of all of this rambling. So newsletter. And um, here's a thought. Go and buy my show. Uh, my last show is called Shima Shatta. It's about being an introvert, feeling like a bit of a weirdo, not liking people or parties. Um, but with jokes, uh, go to surfing.com forward slash shop. You can get the show for five pounds. It means a lot when you buy it. And I hope you like it. If you like the podcast, I think you'll like the show. If you like me, you'll like the show. If you like the podcast, but not me, what are you even doing here, mate? So, <laughs> sorry. So this is now time for the acts of disobedience. Basically, a listener will write me and um, tell me about a thing that they have done which has been uh, disobedient, which has been uh, resisting. It's uh, something cool, something uh, kind of fighty. 
uh, sticking it to the man, basically. So uh, this always excites me. You can submit your own on madeofhumanpockets.com. This is from Anonymous. It's a bit long, but I, I love it. And there's a lot of words in this, so buckle up. This is from Anonymous. This is a little different to the kind of act of disobedience you usually read out on the podcast. It's also quite long because I want to explain the terminology I use. Last November, I was in Germany for COP23, the International Climate Change Negotiations. Climate Change Negotiations. I went with a group of activists from Scotland to join in to join in protests demanding climate justice. This means adequate climate climate finance from countries that are historical emitters to those feeling the harshest impacts of climate change. The inclusion of gender justice, indigenous rights, and a just transition from the extractive fossil fuel economy towards democratically owned renewable energy, among many, many other things. Fucking hell. <laughs> One evening, I attended the People's Climate Summit, an alternative to the official negotiations where activists and impacted communities can talk about the issues they're facing. That evening was a performance from the Pacific Climate Warriors, a collective of young activists from many of the Pacific Islands who organize under the slogan, We are not drowning, we are fighting. The warriors used traditional cultural dances, songs, basket weaving, and more and more to communicate the threat their islands and communities are facing. It was one of the most powerful forms of climate change communication I have ever seen. The entire audience and many performers were, performers were in tears throughout most of the evening. The next day was Ende Gelande, Ende Geland, Geland, a mass direct action, a mass direct action, calling for an end to coal. I wasn't meant to join in as I was there for work, but after that evening, I just had to embody my values and take action to stop this industry that is right now destroying lands and communities. I joined 4,000 people from across the world in occupying the largest open pit coal mine in Europe. There were so many of us, the police couldn't stop us, and we walked straight in. The mine had to stop production for the day, and we were in every major newspaper in Germany. Also, bear in mind that this took place 50 kilometers away from where the international climate talks were taking place in Bonn. Bonn? 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 One of those. Despite being pepper sprayed, kettled, and intimidated by police, we danced, sung, and had consensus decision making plenaries in the mine. It was the most incredible show of people power I've ever seen and made me truly hopeful, despite the failure of the negotiations themselves. P.S. I would love to hear some badass climate activists on the podcast. Me too, mate. Me too. That is... I fucking love that. I love that so much. Um, fu oh, click. You, yeah, my phone was on. Uh, <laughs> um, that was... Oh, I love that. I love that so much. I really do. I think I was meant to go there at one point. I think I uh, I had like a crush thing happening on someone who, um, who asked me to come. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll come. I love... Um, climate and uh, it was a horrible um reason for going to a protest but i was meant to go that gives me no credit at all so ignore that i said that but uh, do go to madeofhumanpodcast.com if you want to submit your own act of disobedience um, now i want you to enjoy this episode with Ave uh, avery edison who is listen buckle up this is good okay she's great and you will love it even if you don't love it, you'll feel something. Or you'll laugh. I don't know. I think it's brilliant. So, yeah. Enjoy it. 
Uh, please uh, just uh, yeah enjoy this wonderful episode with the incredible Avery Edison. I feel like I should have um, started by looking over the show notes for the last one we did. Mm. The only thing I can remember we talked about was cheese. Cheese. Okay. Yeah, I should have re-listened to it. Yeah. I'm sure we just talked about how I'm how I'm trans and how difficult that is and how brave I am. Um, You're trans. I'm yeah. I'm actually trans. I'm incredibly oh trans. Incredibly. Trans. But I'm boring trans. Like I don't know. I. Um, Yeah, so uh, my new girlfriend, Rachel, has a lot of... She's a couple of years younger than me. And she has a lot of, um, like, non-binary and gender-fluid friends. And just a lot of trans friends in general, because she's young and cool. And trans is cool now. And I feel like such a dinosaur whenever I'm around them. Like, with my, like, fairly cis-normative presentation. And, like, very traditional, like, transition roadmap and stuff. And yeah, and so yeah, I feel like I'm very boring and I'm about to turn 30. Um and trans is cool, but young and trans is cool. And 30, while I know it is very, very young, is actually very, very old as well. Um But you don't strike me as a person who I mean, please do not get this wrong. Mm. You just don't strike me as a person who cares about being cool. Uh well, the the thing is I i cared about being cool in high school as everyone does and i cared about it because i was not cool and then i got out of high school and realized a few years later that i am very very cool but just in a way that few people appreciate but yeah if you like ask my twitter followers they'd say i'm cool i think i think but like if you ask my high school friends and bullies they would still think i'm not cool but that's okay too because they're not cool they're really not cool and coolness is just a construct And it's just it's just another construct I want to smash, except not really because I like being cool. Um, but yeah, and also yeah, but like when I'm hanging around with young people, don't feel cool then. When I'm walking around London's trendy neighborhoods, I don't feel cool then, which is why I choose to live in Stratford. Although that has big signs everywhere now, there's lots of construction happening, um, and there's big signs saying 2019 Stratford is changing, oh. like it's an exciting thing, like. The residents are meant to go. Oh, good! It's about it's about time Stratford changed. I've been sick of all the rents being at a, a fairly decent level and it being people like me around here. Yeah, um, yeah. So I guess it's going to become cool there. Yeah, gender-wise, whatever. Yeah, hips hipstery is hipster still a thing? I think hipster still a thing. Yeah. Phew. I said I'm feeling uncool now. I know mm, nothing. You're very cool. Ugh. You got a hip podcast. <laughs> You're a comedian. Comedian's the coolest thing in the world. Nah, 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 it's YouTubers. YouTubers are cool. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not have a... You should have a YouTube. YouTube's where the Nazis are. YouTube is where the Nazis are. But Twitter's where the Nazis are. And we're there as well, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. Um, the annoying thing about YouTube is, like, I love making videos. And, well, I love having made videos and having put them out. Um But, like, with YouTube and, like, even when people do funny Twitter videos and stuff, like, it's so much easier for all the, all the dudes to just talk into a camera. Mm. And, like, they haven't got that, like, sometimes hour-long stage of putting on makeup and making mm. sure you look nice. But also not too nice because then you'll be, like, yeah, it drives me 
it drives me i'm trying to search for a word for crazy that's not ableist ridiculous. although it drives, yeah, me, it drives me wild oh, yeah. i always go with wild right yeah but that just sounds different um, now, doesn't it? yeah to listeners i have bipolar disorder so i'm actually allowed to say horribly offensive things about mental illness um that's my sarcasm voice by the way that's what i do all the time and my friends love it doesn't drive them uh, nuts there we go doesn't drive them nuts at all a little slip there glimpse into how i speak usually um uh for those who may not have heard the last episode with you it's your second time coming yes. on the podcast uh would you so, like to introduce yourself oh sure i am avery i'm avery edison um i'm a transgender woman and i talk about it all the time because it's the only thing about me um and i'm a comedian sometimes and i even did a gig recently within living memory so i am a comedian um but yeah i'm also writer sort of uh, sex worker sort of haven't done it in a very long time um, but I still sell naked pictures online, and so I still throw around the label sex worker, like it still applies to me. And like I am welcome in those discussions, even though really I should probably be shutting up. But um, uh, yeah, anything else about me? I'm very good on Twitter, um, but mostly, mostly I'm a person with a, a huge, very large brain full of wrinkles which makes me smart because it's not just big, it's also wrinkled. Um, and the wrinkles are very deep. Um, so I'm very smart, but I, I just spend most days wasting it really in bed, reading Twitter, listening to podcasts, playing video games. I just beat Peggle, which... You what? I just beat Peggle. It's a get mobile game. Okay. Um, you, you fire a ball at some pegs. Oh. Um, yeah, and it's one of those, like, free-to-play, and then you buy power-ups and stuff. Ooh. But I beat it without buying any power-ups. So oh, I, I couldn't do the same impressive. thing when I played uh, pool. Okay. <laughs> like, on my phone. Mm, is pool, what, just, like... Yeah, with the stick and the wow. balls. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, no, it's... it's People have jobs making those games, so you're paying games developers. The most discriminated people on Earth... Oh my god. They were called nerds in high school, so now they can't do anything wrong. Even if they make a sexist game or if they, you know, exclude people from the industry. Uh I like how you're you're like one of those mirrors that where you you see yourself looking not good. You're like a, a badly fr- a badly what? angled mirror. Of what? Of you? Of me. Yeah, I'm always like, oh yeah, I'm a bit sh- I'm a bit shit, I think. I do horrible things. Oh, did you mean that as a compliment? Because, no, God, like, no, no, yeah. not at all. No, okay, it's a, it's cool. A horrendous critique of, of your your way of uh, reflecting my own personality back at me. Oh, cool. But only in well, a funny way. That makes me feel great. Um, well, I'm actually. I should be speaking in past tense because um, obviously, bad. All the bad stuff about me, I left behind in 2017. Um, I'm a brand new person right now in 2018. Oh, yeah? Was that a, a resolution? Uh, no, it's not a resolution because they don't work. I just changed. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just replaced myself with a better person. Um, and also have started taking um, a drug called modafinil. Uh, do you know about it? No, I don't know about it. So it's, uh, its brand name is Provigil and it is classed as a nootropic. So which just means like tech bros use it to hack their brains. But really it's a treatment for narcolepsy. 
um, and I have an off-label prescription for it because I tend to sleep 14 to 18 hours a day, and that is too many hours, and I don't do anything. Um, So instead, I wake up at 9.30 and take a modafinil, and I don't want to sleep until, like, midnight, 1am. And it's amazing. What do you do with all the extra hours then? Mm, I haven't figured that part out yet. No? Do you just feel, like, restless all the time? No, not restless. Um, like, it's just... Um, I think I feel normal. I, there's a problem with focus. Like, it gives you a little bit of focus. And if you aim that wrong, you can end up doing something with with too much focus that, that you shouldn't have for instance you might beat peggle um which really you should just be an occasional thing instead of like spending hours playing playing it while you listen to podcasts um but yeah it's got me it's got me doing a couple of things. i've only been on it for like a maybe three or four weeks um and it's yeah it's been interesting to like just not want to sleep um because usually that's my go-to thing. Like, at any moment, like, what should I do right now? Oh, I'll, I'll go to sleep. Um, the hardest part has actually been when I wake up in the morning and I'm, like, exiting having slept. And sleepy me is like, don't take the pill. If you mm. if you take the pill, you won't be able to keep sleeping. But if you don't take it, you can just go back to sleep and keep sleeping forever. And isn't that nice? Um Oh yeah, so that's the hardest part of the day. There'll be someone listening to this right now who can't just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like who? who lots of people. I'm sure we're putting lots of people to sleep. God, like I, I wish it was me. <laughs> I just sleep is the best. Okay, so I'm, I'm a dark mirror that reflects all of the bad parts of your personality. Lovely, I love that. I'm getting that tattooed on me. Um, and um, you wish, <laughs> while you were talking to me, you wish that you could go to sleep. That's brilliant. I think what you are is, and you know I don't think of you as British, because mm. when I f- found out who you were, you lived in Canada, so in my head yeah. you'll always be Canadian. So I think you, you're just, like when, when someone just is honest with you and open mm. and just says things as they are, to me that's the opposite of Britishness. So that's what I meant with the mirror, because you'll call me out on stuff. Like no one ever told me right. that that thing I wore when you did my gig was a horrible thing to wear. And I respect it wasn't, that though. so much. It, it wasn't. It, it was, was a perfectly lovely outfit. I just <laughs> I just like bullying people. I was no, bullied I as a child. That. Yeah, but that's I think we, it's kind of like a sad masochistic thing, isn't it? Or mm-hmm. like a masochistic thing if you're the other person. Like I like being told that because oh, I feel yeah, like for sure. it's in your head all the time, isn't it? You kinda of go, oh, I, I bet I'm shit. But people seem to not say it to me. And then when someone does, you're like, Yes. It's a it's a shame that you held on to that the outfit part of that criticism because what I was really focused on that night was your tattoo and (laughs) yeah I know right (laughs) you could just cover it up with just a big black rectangle it would be great just completely cover it up which one of them I have so many I don't remember which one of them it was you criticized are they all are they all body positive because get rid of those ones two of them you're too body positive Sophie it's healthy but I mean too much of anything is bad Uh, just be body neutral. body neutral. Body neutral. Do you want to talk about the uh, the police? The I do want to talk about the police because so far I've just been rambling. <laughs> no, it's bad. So far, like a, a thing I often say on 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 Twitter and in life and on podcasts that then later get edited out of the podcasts um, because you got to be inclusive to everyone, even the police, even the oppressor needs to be invited in. Um, 
which is that's a fun little dig that listeners well you should edit that bit out um a thing i say a lot on twitter and in real life and basically whenever i have the opportunity is that police aren't human cops aren't human um and it's an interesting thing to say because people have very strong reactions to it um because even in anti-police discussions, anti-carceral system discussions, and carceral system just means any kind of like justice system that involves putting people in, in prison, incarcerating them. Um, people tend to say like, well, you know, we do need the police, but we need the police to just behave better. Um, and we need the justice system to be fairly applied and we need to get rid of some rules. Um, and yeah, so the reason I say police aren't human is to instantly lay my position down as I will not be moved anywhere even close to, well, let's have some police and let's have them being good people. Because my my position is you cannot function as a human being functions. You can't think like a human being. You can't act like a human being once you have been sucked into this awful system that we've created that elevates you above the common man but below the oligarchy as a protector of capital and gives you license to abuse you know the worker not to get all Karl Marx but uh the proletariat right I think that's one of his words um I've never actually read Marx but I have seen people on Twitter saying he's good so that's my beliefs um and I think Karl Marx is like a nickname for Jeremy Corbyn. So that's why I vote for Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, Just because people on Twitter tell me to. I don't really think about it that much. Um, Again, that's that's irony. I think about it a lot. Uh, Yeah, I just, I think you can't, you can't look at police as people with equal value to you because then you'll start giving into yeah, those ideas that they're necessary or that you can negotiate with them. Because um, that's that's not what they are to the wealthy, the elite, the oligarchy. They, The police are just tools to them. And they're a tool they use to uh, stifle um, uprisings and protect their capital. It's mainly about protecting capital. Um, like the London police, for instance, have only been around since like 18... 18- 29 and they were formed uh purely to like the the immediate precursor to the london metropolitan police were just people that were paid to protect shipments at the docks so that workers at the docks wouldn't steal any of the any of the goods like it's all about protecting capital making sure making sure the money keeps going to the people at the top um and anything, all the bad things the police do are because they are part of a system that interpret human beings as having a dollar value. Um, and for most of us, that's the dollar value we can generate by working and having that work, that labor uh, exploited and the profits of it taken from us. What's your personal experience with the police? I don't think we talked about the... Canada airport yeah. thing in the last episode, and I, and I'm not saying this is in any way. I'm not going to do that whole. Do you think maybe that's why you you have? Do you carry a grudge? That's not what I mean. But I'm interested in maybe for the people listening to know 
Anyway, so I'm just. I have questions. Let's. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear the story again about the uh, what happened to you. If you if yeah. you don't mind sharing it. No, absolutely, it's fine. Um, so uh, in 2008, I met a girl, woman. I met a woman on Twitter uh, named Abby, and she lived in Albany, New York, and we hit it off. And her parents were of means, so they flew me over there uh, to Albany, and I um, stayed with her for a few months, and I came back to England, and then I went over there again, and then she visited here, and then I went back over there. And we were very heavily involved, and it was becoming a long-term relationship, and it was sort of untenable to keep going back and forth. So our plan was to... Um, get me into a uh, college of some kind in New York, um, preferably Albany, so that I could live with her full time and also study because I didn't have any further education. Uh, still don't. Three-time dropout. Um, in my opinion, it's because the education system's broken, not because I'm bad. Um, I'm a seven-time dropout, but I'm fine. Nice, yeah. <laughs> it's a very convenient position that I have that the system is broken and it's not me. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, my visa, my uh, education visa was denied for the US, um, which was pretty horrible because you have to go to the consulate in London and talk with a guy behind a glass window and uh, he like shuts you down and then there's no, you, you just can't go anywhere from there basically. Um, so then we looked into getting me into college somewhere in Canada And there was a um, a school in Toronto called uh, Humber College that had a comedy program um, that is very good. And if you're not suffering from bipolar disorder and have a mild episode in your second year, you can probably graduate from it and do well. Um, and so I went there. I went to Toronto and um, that was a bit closer to Abby and we could see each other by train. So that was all good. And then in 2012, I ended up um, ending my relationship with Abby, which is a really nice way to put the horrible betrayal that I did. And immediately entering slash having some overlap with um, a relationship with a new partner. Uh, her name was Romy. And uh, I was just finishing out the um, comedy program course slash quitting it a week before it ended because I went mental. And again, I am mental, so I can say that. And um, my education visa in Canada was good for a few more months. And then when it ran out, I was still, I was living with Romy and we were planning on getting married. So we applied for an extension to my education visa and we got that. And we were meant to get married in that time and we didn't. And I just sort of, stayed in the country for a little bit I think eight months beyond the expiration and then eventually I was like I don't have a job I'm on medication that's very expensive um we really need to sort out like my legal status um so um so what I did was I moved back to England for a little bit with the idea of getting myself sorted out maybe changing to different medication, seeing if that, like, may be better, maybe try to get a job, maybe move Romy over here. Um, 
and then a few months in I was just incredibly depressed and missed her a lot missed our cats a lot and um a friend uh who Romy and I were in a polyamorous relationship so she was also a girlfriend of mine um she saw how terrible I was feeling and so she bought me a ticket to fly back to Canada for a visit in quotes is what I will say to protect everyone involved um I definitely wasn't planning on just going there and staying I mean the ticket had a return flight so um uh yeah and then when I got to Toronto airport the customs official um yeah denied me entry and then passed me along to the like the big customs waiting room and um you know obviously they went through all my luggage and I talked with more customs officers and they um they had a pretty solid case that I was planning on staying in the country um how can they how how can they know that well how could they know <laughs> that um I had basically no money in my bank account I had a copy of my lease in London that clearly showed it was month to month. Uh, I had recently written on my website that I was behind on my rent in London, uh, on my blog, and they obviously they found that. Um, I had like basically everything I owned with me in my suitcase, including like all my important personal documents, uh, birthday cards, like just, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, it, it, it. is exactly what you would carry with you if you were planning on secretly moving to a place. Uh, Obviously, that wasn't my intention. I just like to keep all my important documents with me because what if something happens? Um, Yes, they denied me entry. And what they usually do in those cases is they send you on a flight back to your your country of origin. Um, And I had a return ticket, so that should be fine. But I landed there on a Monday, and the next flight out to the UK on that airline was on a Thursday. So, uh, in the meantime... Oh, they did offer me, actually, if I could buy a £2,000 ticket on British Airways that night, then I could just go back home. Um, But since that wasn't an option, they um, were going to put me in a detention centre. Um... And then they looked at my medical records and I had had a suicide attempt in Canada and that was on there and because uh, I'd been hospitalized for it. And so they decided that I was a suicide risk. I hadn't been saying anything about wanting to commit suicide or anything, which is pretty novel because usually I'm talking about it all the time because life is hell. Um, we live in a nightmare world and this Trump man is orange and no one's talking about it. <laughs> No one is pointing out that he looks like a like a Cheeto. No one's mentioned it. He's, what is he, President Cheeto? Mr. Orange Man? He gets up on stage there and he talks to the microphone. And the whole time I'm saying, why are people talking about how orange he is? Um, <laughs> we, what, was, what was I saying? We live in a bad world. I want to kill myself. I'm not going to do it. Um... Uh, Yes, they put me, they wanted to put me somewhere with suicide watch protocols and the detention center uh, didn't have that, which makes sense because immigration detention centers are really cheery places and no one's ever at risk of uh, suicidal ideation there. Everyone's just happy all the time. Um, So they needed to put me in prison because those are the places that have suicide watch protocols set up. So they were going to send me to a women's prison and 
then I said to them, it's great that you're being so good about the fact that I'm transgender and pre-operative. I haven't had any um, gender confirmation surgery, whatever we're calling it nowadays. Like I said, I'm a dinosaur. I still I still refer to it as SRS, and I call myself a transsexual. No, I don't. I don't do any of that. Um, yeah, and so they were like, oh, actually, we're not being great about that. We're going to send you to a men's prison. Did you actually say that? Did you say to them, hey, thank you for... Yeah. Did you mean that? Were you genuinely like... Well, I'd been, credit? I'd been denied entry to the US about a year earlier because I'd made one too many trips to visit Abby. And, um, and during that, they'd been sort of horrible about my mm-hmm. gender stuff. And so I was like trying to be jokey and friendly, but oh. also, you know, making sure everyone knew what was ah, up so there were no right. surprises. So I was saying like, you're being so much better about this than the US customs people were when they found out I was preoperative. And then they were like, wait, you're, you're preoperative still. Sure. Um, yeah, so they were going to send me, they sent me to a men's prison um, and put me in uh, segregated housing there. Um, uh, in in Seg, uh, in in the shoe, you might have heard that on Orange Is the New Black, which was a show I was able to watch season one of, and then found season two kind of difficult um, and have not gone back to, um, which is fine because I hear it's rubbish now. And also, they stole the idea of being transgender from me, so I'm still <laughs> owed money for that, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and basically, yeah, I was in Did the you say in solitary confinement. Yeah, in a men's prison. In a men's prison, yeah. Um, yeah, it was so... It yeah, was, yeah, for, for how long did you, When did they take your phone from you? Because this is you were tweeting all of this while it was happening. Yeah, while it was happening, I had my phone. Toronto Airport has uh, free Wi-Fi, which they should look into because <laughs> this stuff's going to keep happening. Um, yeah, so I just kept sending out tweets like, oh, I've been denied to entry to the country. Oh, they're going to put me in a detention center. Oh, it's going to be a women's prison. Oh, it's going to be a men's prison. Um... And I already had a little bit of a following, and so it sort of spread around, and I got about 5,000 followers out of it. Completely worth it. I recommend it. If you want to get your social media cred up, go to prison. Um, yeah, they took they took my phone from me, like, just before they put the manacles on me, basically. Put what? Manacles. Uh, so it's like, um, I think they're different from handcuffs in that handcuffs keep your hands, like, very close together. Oh, yeah? Whereas manacles are, like, cuffs around your wrists that are kept together by, like, a long chain. And then the chain went through a loop on, like, a metal loop on a belt that they put on me. And then also I had, yeah, cuffs on my legs and then a chain between them going up to the belt as well. Um, But where does the... Because you weren't actually imprisoned. Um, like you, is that like you just have to have that on if you enter the prison as not a guard? No, or? that was that was for transfer from the airport to the prison. So it was like it was like midnight. The the airport was almost completely empty, um, and it was just me and a customs agent and two like prison couriers. Like they weren't police officers or anything. They were just people who, um, like UPS for prisons. Yeah, basically. <laughs> It's a very uh, muscly guy with some uh, tattoos on his arms that I tried to engage him in conversation about. He wasn't into it. Um, yeah, and so yeah, they, they took my phone off me then and 
yeah, put me in a van and took me to the prison. And um, one thing I did like was they put the manacles on me on the smaller set. But I figured out if I squeezed my thumb like just enough on the van right there, I slipped my hand out of the manacle and then back in. And I was quite happy about that because when I was thin and that's the best thing to be. <laughs> thin equals good <laughs> intrinsically. Um, but yeah, it didn't seem worth it to like bust out of my manacle because I still got the, the leg cuffs on and stuff. Um, and yeah, and I got to the prison and I went through all the prison intake stuff and the guy, the people at the men's prison were fairly okay to me. They were confused as to why I was there. Um, cause as I mentioned, I'm a boring trans woman in the, I, I try to look super cis normative as much as I can. So I was, I was looking like a real woman that day. Uh, again, real woman is in quotes. Please don't. I'm not problematic. I promise. Don't do a call out. Um, yeah, so they were very confused as to why I was there and they were trying to be nice about it, which is impressive considering that um, prison wardens are some of the most inhuman police officers you can get. Um, I mean, you can't really oversee a building of people trapped in small cells where you, you treat them like animals without becoming an animal yourself. Um, yeah, and so I went to the intake process there, went into the solitary cell and yeah, I tried to sleep, which is very difficult because it's a concrete bed that's basically part of the wall. Um, and then, yeah, I was there for maybe 12, 16 hours while stuff was happening behind the scenes out in the world. Um, and like people made a fuss online and lawyers made a fuss and I got moved to solitary in a women's prison and then stayed there until thursday and the intake process for the women's prison was like a lot worse like they they knew about all my tweeting about the stuff and so they were making jokes like um you know you're gonna write about this on your blog which twitter isn't a blog so they got that wrong that's embarrassing for them um and and like i even responded like well, you know, I, ha I haven't mentioned anyone's name at any point because I understand that it's a system doing this and not individuals. Um, and then they were like, oh, well, thank you. That's so nice. It, like, they weren't even like, I was trying to be chill and nice about it, you a know? human. You were trying to interact in a human uh, yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it wasn't like when I was, I, I had to be dragged kicking and screaming to the prison and I was going, you fucking pigs or anything. Like, no, I was very nice and polite because I'm a very nice and polite young girl. Um, uh, because sometimes polite women do make history and that's <laughs> what I sell my t-shirts. Polite women can make history and we make it very nicely. Um, and the best way to do activism is through capitalism is to sell things with your words on them. Um, I also sell a necklace that says bitch, but nice bitch. Um, and that's 45 pounds and it's made by slaves and that's my activism but it's third world slaves so it's different isn't it um again all sarcasm i hope you like my sarcasm voice and follow jen kirkman guys um so i was in i was in prison remember 
So I'm even more marginalized than just regular trans. Um, so I'm allowed to be slightly more horrible. Um, and yeah, these, yeah, the intake at the women's prison, they were, yeah, very rude and nasty. And, um, at the same time, sort of stepping on eggshells, like they let me make a phone call using their telephone rather than the, the, like the telephone prisoners have to use, um, which was very nice of them. They didn't have to do that. And, um, a couple of days in, they offered me books which was good because, I mean, at first I was enjoying the break from, like, Twitter and social media. It's good to detox, isn't it? <laughs> Toxins are real. Um, and also social media is a kind of toxin. It's a non-food toxin, but food toxins are real. And we need to get rid of them by detoxing sometimes because <laughs> um, toxins are real. Um, <laughs> I'm all about wellness. Did you know? Again, that's all sarcasm. Wellness is bullshit. Um no one is well. No one should be well. We live in a hell, a hell world and the president is orange. How can I be doing yoga when the president is orange? Um, <laughs> this is unlistenable. It's like there's rambling at the beginning. And there's me sort of telling a story, but then interjecting every now and then to say something bad and then say, don't worry, I know it's bad, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I'm not doing any work. This is amazing. Um, Yeah, that's my daffodil for you. I just start talking and I just keep going. Um, A fun thing also for for people who've heard me speak before is that usually my accent is sort of American tinged. Um, But now my new girlfriend is from Liverpool. So there's some Liverpoolian sneaking in as well because I can't be my own person. I can only copy those around me. Um, Yeah, so and eventually... I got out of the women's prison on the Thursday and I got on a plane and came back to England. Um, and then like, you know, I took them to a human rights tribunal in Canada and like won a case and like got them to change some of the procedures. So I guess I sort of did activism, uh, but I'm not a hero and I'm not brave. Don't call me brave. I hate to be called brave. I can see, I can see Sophie on your face. You want to call me brave so bad. And it's like, yeah, I did a thing that I was afraid of and did it anyway. I guess if that's your definition of bravery, then I'm brave. But don't don't call me brave. Please, if anyone's brave, it's the children. All the children in the world. <laughs> Everyone except me is brave. Um, yeah, and like, before then, I didn't have a great opinion of the police. Um, but I was still of like... You know, I could see myself calling the police sometimes, like, if something bad were to happen. Um, And then after it all happened, I was talking with my partner at the time, Romy, the one whose fault it really was for (laughs) making me be in love with her so much um, that I wanted to come back over. And also the cats. I blame the cats. Um, Yeah, and I was talking about how horrible it was. And she was like, well, yeah, you know, cops aren't human. And that was the first time I'd heard that phrase. And I've since stole it from her because if cops are bad, then stealing is good. Um, And uh, yeah, and I was like, what does that mean? And she was just like, well, cops are bad. They're always bad. Here, read some Foucault. And um, I still haven't read Foucault and I won't. Um, But I looked him up on Wikipedia and he seems like French or something. So good on him good on him for you know giving it a real go even though he's french and um all he wants to do is smoke cigarettes is he still alive i don't know uh no i do know he's dead um 
They're all dead, aren't they? All the good people. Now we just got bad people like Trump. I call him Trump. Um, <laughs> and that's activism. Uh, yeah, so I started having like long discussions with Romy about how the police are bad. And I listened to a few podcasts about how police are bad. And I googled police bad question mark. <laughs> and um, and it sort of meshed really well with my ideas about capitalism in general. Um, which started with um, my, my earliest position on capitalism, I think, was um, I'm poor and I don't like that, that I'm poor and it would be nice to be rich. And now my position is it wouldn't even be nice to be rich. Ah, that's how far I've come, guys. Um, I, and I just think we should all have the same money, but also it's no money, and there should be a barter system, but also that will lend itself to money. So, like, not barter, but, like, everyone just everyone has stuff, and if they want it, they get it. Um, <laughs> and no one's rich, and no one's poor, and we're all just in the middle. Um, and Jeremy Corbyn, is he good? Um, <laughs> the end? No. <laughs> police are bad what's the uh, you must get that a lot then people saying uh, what's the alternative to the police then yes and I'm masking that as in a <laughs> you know how uh, people who don't get it they ask that yeah. question <laughs> yeah I would never ask that but just, you would never let's ask pretend, that let's pretend um, so, so I'm, I'm with you so far and then people yes. ask me that and I go <laughs> well if you don't know that you should probably google it well yeah I definitely um, I definitely have thought about this a lot and have sort of ideas in my head And didn't yesterday evening Google alternatives to policing. Um, no, I did. But that was just to cement stuff that I've uh, already been thinking about, which is, um, you know, like I'm very into restorative justice. Um, what, does, what is restorative justice? That's instead of instead of like just punishing people for like vengeance or anger and not really resolving anything about the initial crime, like. I don't know if someone if someone steals from you um restorative justice might be them giving you that thing back and then maybe contributing to the community at large in some way it might be them keeping the thing they stole but the community uh, because they needed that thing they stole but the community at large like making sure you still have that thing as well like crime crime doesn't happen just because people are bad and want to do bad things like that's some crimes sure but that's not all crime um so i think restorative justice is a sort of holistic but the good version of holistic view of like obviously looking at the the victim and making sure they're taken care of and um made whole as much as possible But not looking at a person who's committed a crime as a perpetrator, but as someone who is maybe in need of help and can recognize that they did harm to someone in seeking to resolve their situation. And recognizing that because they caused that harm, they owe to the community at large and that person in particular some way of, of making that right. Um And obviously with the like the example of stealing, that can that can sound pretty basic and people will often say like, okay, what about like murder and and, and rape? Like rape is the, the big one people throw at you. Um because it's a harsh word and because like, yeah, how do you how do you do that without locking someone away? Um 
and I mean, first of all, like the current solution we have for rapists, even when it does work and someone gets prosecuted and thrown in prison, like that doesn't really help anyone. It doesn't unrape a woman or a man who's been raped. Men get raped too. Um, and it doesn't, uh, and non-binary people, um, everyone, all of the people, whenever I say women, just, just replace that with all people. I just say women because women are most important in my mind. Um, cause I'm a misandrist. I'm still doing ironic misandry, even though the whole internet has moved past it. And apparently it's bad now. I still think it's good. Uh, I still live in 2013. Um, yeah, putting a rapist in prison, like, it isolates them from the community at large so that they can't, you know, harm anyone else, maybe. But you're putting them in a prison environment where there are still other human beings they can harm. They could be harmed themselves, and that's bad. Like, if our goal in justice is to reduce harm, um, then that isn't uh, helping. Uh, and it also doesn't seem to rehabilitate people either um prison doesn't seem to function very well as either a deterrent or a rehabilitation center um so with yeah for example with a a a crime like rape obviously the most important thing to do is listen to victims and what they want um and you know obviously like I remove them from maybe like the community of the people they've harmed, but, and, and if there's anything a victim wants that doesn't involve like active, like harmful vengeance against the person, like that's a very understandable emotion. But the reason we have like justice systems is because we recognize that straight out vengeance isn't good. Right. Um, it just, you know, it just violence leads to violence. Right. Um, and yeah, like crimes that like rape and murder that aren't because of a a situation and that are because of maybe a a damaged person acting out, like that seems like somewhere where mental health, uh, can come in. And, um, I mean, most mental health care currently takes place in prisons, right? Because all the actual mental health facilities in like the UK and the US at least have been shut down. Um, yeah, like there's, there's just, there's ways to deal with crimes and things we recognize as crimes that aren't just put people away forever. Um, or for as long as possible, or obviously in the current system, like the way we deal with rape is by not really dealing with it. Um, because cops aren't human, so they don't care about that stuff. Um, because rape doesn't affect the production of capital enough. Um, like, the only reason murders get, you know, prosecuted and dealt with is because the oppressors don't like it when capital starts removing other capital from the board without permission. Um, you know, there are plenty of legal murders. They just happen as war, right? Um... And that's okay because wars are, you know, the cost of losing the people that can potentially produce capital for you is paid for by the spoils of, of war. Um, yeah, I don't know. You asked what restorative justice was, basically, and I, I just rambled a lot. It's, it's just... 
yeah, I don't know. There's um It's it's I guess it's like a system where you you have to remove your kind of instinctual feelings a bit. Like a you bit, can't yeah. make it about I think we're so inclined to make everything so emotional. Yeah. You know, like it you, you can even I'm going to base this on like watching movies, but like uh the death penalty. Mm. It's always like people furious and oh, I want to see this person. Like it's nothing to do with actual what's the word solves when you solve sol- solvation? Yeah. Solvation? Solvation? <laughs> sure. That's a word, <laughs> That's now. A word now. But yeah, I think I I think I've been. I, I think a lot about how, in order to do something that's actually productive and good, we need to not have all the feelings involved. Yeah. And what you're saying, I imagine, can make will make quite a lot of people quite angry, because yeah. justice and it justice feels like something that should you should be able to feel justice. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense to say, well, maybe the guy who murdered that person was a victim too. Yeah. Because that would make people furious to think about. But in reality, that person is probably, I don't think anyone who's really happy and content, who's had a great life, murders a lot of people. Yeah. Like if, if someone, if someone like vandalizes a building and that's obviously a harm against the community, if it's, like vandalizes it in a way that the community can't use it or it makes it like disruptive to look at or something. But it's also clearly there's a need in the community because the person who did this thing did it for a reason. They didn't just randomly do it. And so there's either a need to entertain or provide for or provide outlets for, um, you know, for energy or something. And, like, yeah, you can still, you can commit a, a quote-unquote crime. That doesn't mean you're not a part of the community and not someone who needs to be helped. And I think, uh, yeah, our current, um, yeah, sort of venge-fueled, just, vengeance-fueled justice system is is built around the idea that once you commit a crime, you are separate from the rest of us. And, of course, I would say that. I'm a criminal. Um, and I, was, I also want to say, like, yeah, obviously talking about about rape and restorative justice and any kind of, I, 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 I don't want to diminish like the anger and uh, very reasonable anger, obviously that victims um, and survivors feel I'm someone who has experienced sexual assault and uh, which doesn't mean I can just say anything obviously, but um, I, I completely get it. But also I, I get that my, like completely isolating my rapist isn't going to help anyone. Um, but that doesn't mean I want to be around them. Um, but that doesn't mean I want them to be thrown in prison. Like I want them to be helped not to rape anyone ever again. You know, um, I just, I think ultimately it's about, yeah, letting go of that, looking at human beings as, merely capital obviously um but more about just recognizing that there's there's just there's reasons for everything and where there's reasons there's solutions and i just think again with the capitalism thing but like most crime i feel like is economically motivated like most crime comes out of desperation and you can alleviate desperation by giving people the things they need to live fully dignified and happy 
lives. Like you won't have you won't have people dealing drugs if they have the money to buy the things they need. You won't have people starting gangs if they feel safe and like they're in a neighborhood where they're taken care of by uh, other people and like yeah it's uh, it sounds corny to say like the solution is love but really restorative justice is about love and i think prison abolition and um getting rid of of policing is about love as well and recognizing that the system we currently have is is not about treating each other with love um yeah, that's so corny and horrible. No, it's it's no, it's it's perfect because it's such a it sounds it sounds detrimental to the initial statement, which is uh, all cops, uh, no cops are human. No cops are human. Cops aren't human. And then for you to end with it's about love. Yeah, and it is, and it is, and it all makes perfect sense. It's just for someone who's never heard these things before that sounds. Like opposites. Yeah. So I I love I love it, and it I think it's a tough thing for people to really swallow, but it's ideal. Yeah, and it's just it's like the 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 reason I I keep cops aren't human in my head is because they won't treat you like a human will treat you. So if you engage with them in a way that you would engage with a human, you're automatically setting yourself up to fail. Like if you see a if you see a cop on the street, they're not looking at you as a fellow human being. They're either looking at someone looking at you as someone they can ignore or someone they can oppress in that moment. And if they ignore you, you get to go on and continue having a good day. If they choose to oppress you, there's nothing there's there's nothing you can do against a police officer who really wants to do whatever he or she wants, but probably he, because men are the worst. Because um, even even their rules, they don't they don't follow, you know. And when they don't follow the rules, they don't get punished. Um, and um, hopefully, a lot of people know this. But if you're ever in in any situation with the police, do not talk to the police. Do not say one word to the police that isn't the word lawyer. Do not talk to them. If you are a victim and they see the crime happening and come over and ask you questions about it, don't say anything to them. Don't talk to the police ever. They'll try and trick you into talking to them. They, you know, if you're being interrogated and they say, would you like a cup of tea? Even if you say yes, somehow they'll twist that and use it against you. Don't say any words ever to the police that aren't the word lawyer or phone call or lawyer or attorney or solicitor. Just don't, don't ever talk to the police without a legal representative present because they will fuck you over. That's what they do. Um, and sometimes they don't know they're doing it, but it's because they think they're doing the right thing, but it's what they do. Um, I don't know how long they have left, but recently on, on Channel 4, there was this um, documentary um, about, do you know the case of Jamie Bolger? No, it doesn't ring a bell. In the early, in the early 90s, for British listeners, this will probably, they'll probably know this. So sorry to bore you guys again. Just think about how orange the present is and get angry about that while I talk. <laughs> uh, but for everyone else, in the early 90s, uh, over here in, in the UK, uh, there was a case where two 10-year-old boys uh, killed a two-and-a-half-year-old boy. And the boy was called Jamie Bolger, and the killers were called John Venables. And I want to say... I forget the other one's name. Everyone always remembers John Venables' name. Um, 
but uh, I can't remember the other one. I'm so sorry. And I watched this documentary so recently. Um, but basically, because they were 10, they were charged with murder because that is the age of, uh, in the UK justice system, when you are recognized as an adult for the things, the crimes you commit. Um, and they were sentenced to prison and uh, went away for a while. And um, Wait, they were tried as an adult? Yeah. Even though they were 10? It, yeah, because that's the age... Yeah, if they'd done it when they were... that? It's still that, yeah. If you're 10? If you're 10, you are an adult in the eyes of the law. Are you joking? Not joking. Okay, sorry, go on. Yeah, um, so this this program was called, I think, something like Jamie Bolger was justice done, something like that. And the broad idea was, were they sent away long enough? Um, You know, how do the parents of Jamie Bolger feel about the fact that they were paroled eventually, I think in like 2004 or something. And then how long were they in jail? um, So it would have been like 94 to 2004, so maybe 10 years. Um, I think my my facts are slightly muddy on this. Um, And then I think John Venables, he's back in prison because he was found to have child pornography on his computer a couple years later. Um, But... um, yeah, so the, the show was basically asking, like... Because at the time, the whole country was furious. And, like, newspapers stoked it up. And you had, like, vans transporting these two kids to, you know, facilities and stuff. And people would be in the streets banging against the vans, like, chanting, like, let them out, we'll take care of them. Jesus Christ. Like, people... Like, the media framed these kids as monsters. and um, And, like... Later in the documentary, they start talking about no one. Okay, no human is a monster. No human is inherently evil. Something was clearly wrong with these kids, um, and they did something wrong, and they did something in one second or one moment that is then unfixable, right? And they were talking about the idea that when you're a child, your brain isn't developed. You don't know about consequences. Um, although in the, in the initial interviews in the police station, they used the fact that the kids um, said they didn't do it and cried because they knew it was wrong as proof that, you know, oh, they knew what they were doing then if they knew it was a wrong thing to do. And anyways, it, your brain isn't fully developed, especially in terms of decision-making until, like, your early 20s. So, basically, it's insane that we treat anyone under 25 as an adult at all. Um, I think I said insane just then. And remember, I'm allowed wild. to say it. I'm allowed. It's, it's wild. wild that it's we wild. do that. Um, that stigmatizes wild people. Like, what about feral children who are raised by wolves? Um, if they listen to the podcast right now, I'm really sorry. Um, yeah, and that I was really fascinated by... Yeah, later in the documentary, they start talking about that and the idea that, I mean, were they really culpable? Because they were 10-year-olds who made a mistake. Um, And it was a huge, horrible mistake. Um, And then they talk about a similar case in Norway, I think. And um, this, they they talked to, like, the head of police in Norway and and stuff about, uh, I think there were two six-year-olds who killed uh, a younger girl. And, like, two weeks later, those six-year-olds were in kindergarten. And, like, you know, parents were told and everything, and they were they were watched and monitored and treated and stuff. But, like, the, the, vibe, the vibe I got definitely was the idea that, yeah, obviously something terrible has happened. 
do we want to compound that terribleness by throwing children into a prison system? And that doesn't, that doesn't fix anything. It doesn't bring the girl back to life. Um, and there was, I don't know, there was sort of this, uh, I've been doing this character since I watched that because I watched it with my new girlfriend who I can't shut up about because I love her a lot. Um, and, uh, she's from Liverpool, which is actually where the, the murder happened. Um, but yeah, so we watched that together and this uh, Norwegian like head of police guy was talking about um, how, you know, obviously we're not going to throw the children in prison or anything. And there was sort of this almost patronizing like archness to him. And I'm going to do a bad accent, but also I've been watching a lot of scam. So I feel like my accent's kind of good, but it was almost like, it was, well, that's of course, obviously, you know, we have these children here and they're killing another child and is terrible, but uh, what are we going to do? Throw them in prison? That would be terrible. Probably very similar in UK. Yeah. Yeah. You probably did the same thing in the UK. You, yeah. What are we supposed to do? Like make a newspaper about them being monsters and things? No, we, I think we made maybe one article in the newspaper and said a bad thing happened. We're going to treat the children nicely, you know, make sure everyone knows. But also we buy them some presents. Probably very similar in the UK. Yeah? You probably did a very similar thing. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, now they're all grown up. And one of them, I think, is a teacher. And other one, if I recall, is uh, prime minister of Norway. Um <laughs> And, you know, probably very similar in UK. <laughs> you probably did the same thing. How was, there was a similar case in um, in Denmark. A, a child murdering a younger child. And the obviously the newspapers immediately went to the mom to be like, you know, this is your fault. And she completely just went, um... I contacted the the, the government, the, the the everyone I possibly could for about four years, telling everyone that this child I can't control him. I don't know what to do with him. Yikes. He needs help. He's scary. He's I can't help, help, help. And you ignored me. And now he's done that. And now it's my fault. And th- I think that's a, that says so much about how the system basically works. Like people know most of these cases. People know. Yeah. Like everyone. Oh, oh yeah, that guy. He was in the system for a while. And then nothing happened or they asked for help or they've actively sent like. <laughs> so what you're saying in. is lock all kids up from the beginning, from the very beginning, from the beginning. Yeah. I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board. Don't have kids. That's the new direction for the podcast. <laughs> don't have kids. And if you do lock them up, lock them up and don't bring them on the tube, please. <laughs> the rest of us are trying to get to work. <laughs> I mean, not me. I don't work. Um, work, work, work is immoral, but no, it's um, boring, isn't it? and I did take an Uber here today, but it's because I was late, so it's fine. <laughs> I feel bad. I added up how many Ubers oh, I've taken that. in the past three months. Oh my god, it's too I much. Feel bad. It was too much. I every time I want to tweet about Uber, yeah. I'm scared of getting the backlash. Well, and yeah. I don't want it because I be- and I, rightly so. It's it? a bad thing to do, but what is it? There's no ethical consumption to capitalism, so therefore anything I do is fine. I can't help it. I live under capitalism. I wish I didn't. But in the meantime, I am going to have to take a nice heated car instead of walking two minutes to my bus stop. And waiting for a bus is inhuman. Why doesn't the bus take me right to my house? I wish it would. I'd take a mixture of black caps and, and yeah. buses. Yeah. Oh, sure. Caps. 
Sure. Every once in a while. I, I, I have a, a lot of um, sex worker friends because I am a sex worker, 100% fully sex worker. I did it a bunch of times, and so now I get to be one forever. Um, and I talk about how in both comedians and sex work, like, there's a certain level of, um, like, after you've been doing it long enough and get good enough at it, where you're just taking Ubers everywhere all the time. <laughs> because... Yeah, why would you take anything else? You've got you've got the income coming in. You're a professional. You're not going to go on the tube. Come on. I remember justifying it once by trying to count how much time I'd be saving contra, like, how much I could spend that time on creating something yes. and then how much that would then make me. So I was like, yeah, actually, I'm saving money yeah. by spending money on it. <laughs> well, my, my problem has been... I've been taking them to get from my place to my girlfriend's place. Because uh, she lives in central London and I live in Stratford. And um, if I take the bus and then the Jubilee line, it takes 45 minutes. And if I take an Uber door to door, it takes 52 minutes. But uh, it feels like I'm saving time <laughs> because I'm not doing a lot of walking in between. Uh, it's awful. It's really, I mean, it's less. I, in, in, since late October to like the end of January when I stopped using Uber forever except today and my girlfriend bought that Uber so it's fine I, I mean I spent less than a grand but not much less yeah, yeah. I don't want to check I don't want to know yeah it's super it's I've I've for me it's dangerous in terms of mental health because I can feel I get so used to not being around a lot of people so now mm-hmm. when I'm on a bus I start to feel a bit vulnerable or a bit exposed I'm like, this is not good. This Especially because you're famous as well. I'm so famous. I listened to an episode of your podcast the other day and you uh. said, um, everyone buy buy the t-shirts because if I see you wearing a oh, Mopod yeah. t-shirt, I'll, I'll get so excited. And I immediately turned to Rachel, my girlfriend, and I said, she's not going to see anyone. Do it. She's noobers all the time. She's <laughs> <laughs> going door to door. Where's she going to see human I beings? I meet real people after my shows. After your shows? I allocate 20 minutes after each show. Aren't you good? To say hello to people. Yeah. And that's when I see the t-shirts. Yeah. They shouldn't, they shouldn't wear the t-shirts to the show. That's Should. tacky. No, they have That's to. tacky. What, are you going to go see Nirvana wearing a Nirvana t-shirt? No, come on. <laughs> Did you just compare me to Nirvana? Yes, <laughs> you're you. Nirvana. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I should have said Westlife. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Who's Nirvana? Um, the last question. You've already mm. had the usual last question. Uh, you yeah. answered the last time. And if you, anyone listening who hasn't heard that, go back and listen to that because that was... Such a good uh, answer. One of the best answers I've yeah. had to that question. So I won't ask that again, but I have okay. a new question yeah. uh, that I haven't asked you yet, which is, um, and I don't know if you've if you've heard the reason <laughs> in any of the other podcasts. It's a question I wanted to ask Westlife when I met them when I was 13. Okay. And I did actually ask them. Now, they fucked it up, so okay. there's a bit of pressure, but I don't think you will. And the question which I thought as a 13-year-old was genius is this. Is there anything you want me to ask you? Wow. That's really smart. Isn't it? Because like you've, you've known you were doing this for about 24 hours. So you, yeah. maybe in your head you've kind of prepared something to say. Or you, so maybe something's going on in your Here's head. Here's what I want you to ask me. Go on. I want you to ask me, how can someone who has heard me roughly talk about all this police stuff, not really get any proper ideas across, but is interested, how can they, A, learn more about it, and B, start practicing prison abolition and carceral justice reform in their lives? 
Yeah, that question. The answers are one, Google Lake. No police. Or like, uh, no, Google like prison abolition, police reform, and like find the most lefty links you can. Um, Yeah, and like, I don't know, like following leftists on Twitter is where I've been learning a lot of stuff. And a lot of the leftists are bad. And if you got, if you get caught following them, you might be called out as problematic. So I put them in a list and then I just check that list a lot. Um, but I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm often retweeting really good takes about the police. So twitter.com slash A Edison, A-E-D-I-S-O-N. Um, but yeah, honestly, just like Googling, Googling, um, yeah, prison abolition, carceral justice reform, like google world without police and like skip over every essay that's like a world without police would be mad max <laughs> um but yeah like even wikipedia on yeah carceral justice and 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 stuff uh and read foucault i haven't read i haven't read foucault but people keep telling me to there's one it's got the word discipline in the title and i like bdsm so i'll be into that um but the thing i have a real answer for um, which is, yeah, how, how do you practice, like, abolition and carceral reform and cops aren't human in your regular life? Um, number one thing I would say is when you see me tweet that cops aren't human, favorite and retweet that. And if anyone comes into my mentions saying, like, you're a monster, how could you say this? Um, don't argue back at them. They'll be fine. They'll do their own thing. Um, but I think one of the most important things I do is have in my head that I will never ever call the police. I will never involve them in any situation because police aren't there to solve problems. They aren't there to de-escalate situations. They are there to assess who is restricting the movement of capital from the bottom to the top. They are there to see how many people they can get away with arresting and abusing. They are there to see how much power they can wield in the moment. Never, ever call the police. Um, And just, yeah, just always do, always do what you think the police would do in the best possible version of police. Do that yourself. Like, or at the very least, call the fire brigade. Fire brigade will come out to a lot of stuff. And are a lot nicer than police. Um, yeah, just uh, yeah, just never call the police. Never talk to the police. Try and get rid of the police in every aspect of your life that you can. Um, if you know someone who's thinking about coming becoming a police officer, uh, stage an intervention. Tell them that you'd prefer if they remained human. Uh, yeah, but basically it's, it's don't call the police and that's... Does that make you feel unsafe? What do you mean? That I that, don't... That you never call the police? Um, or that would it no. Feel... I, I'm trying to, to mimic what I think the instinct, uh, yeah. instinct feeling would be when listening to you say that. Would okay. Be, Fuck, if I couldn't call the police. <gasps> if I couldn't, yeah, like... So if someone's, if someone's like, I guess the, the unsafe reaction would be like, what if I get mugged, right? Mm. Um, in that situation, like, I don't, I don't think the police would comfort me very much. Um, I don't think they would get my belongings back necessarily. I don't think that I want 
an unfortunate thing that happened to me that happened because of a person in need to be an excuse for that person or someone similar to that person being rounded up and put in prison. Um, it's like in that situation, calling the police wouldn't be, um, a solution for me. Um, yeah, if I got assaulted or, you know, God, God forbid raped, which is something I worry about a lot, especially as a transgender woman, calling the police is not gonna, is really not gonna help that situation. It's probably gonna make me feel worse. Um, like, in that, in either of those situations, I would rather reach out to people I know, reach out to even people around me in that moment who aren't police. Like, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of times people would call the police. Like, I guess... Someone's about to break into your house. Yeah, someone's about to break into your house. Um, like, I don't know, see if your neighbors are in. Or, like... Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know that calling the police would help then because they're not going to rush over. They don't. They don't do that. Um, yeah, like it's so it's so it's so hard for me to try and put myself in a position where I would think, okay, yeah, police would help there. Um, yeah, but I think most of the, it's just a. It might just be an illusion, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah, someone's coming. Even yeah. if it doesn't, won't actually help. Maybe it's just something you do because you have... Maybe people really enjoy the illusion that there is safety out there and it's just three dials away. Yeah. And then you saying, oh, if you think yeah, about like, it... Yeah, just mm, think, how, how would they help actually. in this scenario? Knowing what I know about the police as violent You're pulling thugs. the, the carpet, the carpet out of yeah. people. I don't know. If someone was trying to break into my house, like, honestly... I I try and make sure I was as safe as possible, but also, like maybe try and engage in a dialogue with them and see, like, how I could help, like... I often have that thought. I often have that. If I ever get into a dangerous situation... Yeah. My instinct would... And I don't know, because I haven't been in that... Well, I have... That's not, that's not true. I have been in a few where I've just started talking. And yeah. I think that would be my instinct. To just yeah. go, hey, is this... Hey, let's... What's happening? Yeah, like, obviously, if you're not in a confined space, just run away. Oh, yeah. Um... But yeah, if there's any way you can ever de-escalate something, that's the best thing. And like, yeah, if someone is breaking into my house to steal something, they're probably in a pretty desperate situation. I'm not incredibly rich, so I'm not going to have like a crack team of people doing a heist on me or anything. But like most burglaries and pay thefts are, are for small amounts of money that can then be exchanged for, um, you know, drug use. Um, and... Like, yeah, I could, I would probably just say, like, can I just give you a tenner instead? And we can both have a, a much calmer day. Um, and, like, and if you're, if you're unhappy with this situation and looking to, you know, get out of whatever situation is causing you to steal things, if that's drugs, like, I, I, don't, I don't know, like, let's try and tackle it together like i can at least try and find some resources or something that that seems maybe such a lofty like oh avery doesn't know the real world she hasn't experienced things like no i've had crimes happen to me um and i've been you know yeah i've been involved in in horrible stuff and i i still would that would be my instinct i don't know i think an important thing also is um in terms of like how do i live abolition every day um is definitely thinking like as much as it's about 
class and capitalism. Obviously, there's so much racism involved in policing and in the quote-unquote justice system in general. And, um, yeah, being very, very conscious of that and doing what you can to uh, mitigate that. Like, if you're the type of person who might say, call the police on a gang of youths hanging around a shopping centre, like, don't do that because you're calling them because, you know, society has made you scared of, you know, a bunch of... When I say youths, I'm using youths the way people use it in London, which is, you know, a group of young black men who are making them feel unsafe because we've been told that they're not safe. Um, And yeah, and just always questioning the narratives the police put out as well. Like, um, I feel like lately there's been so much talk about acid attacks Mm. and how acid attacks are on the rise. And it's... There's there's never really the the interrogation of why that's happened. It's it's sort of just like oh the youths are terrible these days. They're aciding each other, and it's like that didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened because police cracked down on knives, and you can't carry a knife anymore, but you can carry acid in a Lucozade bottle, and no one will know. Um, yeah, just yeah, just constantly. <laughs> always be on your guard against anything a police officer might say or try to influence you with. Uh, always interrogate it. Just, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think my message to the world, um, unless you have money, which by the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a lot of money, like the police are on your side. Uh, obviously you should call them if someone's breaking into your mansion or like your expensive flat in like Notting Hill or something like that's what the police are for they're for you and I hope you have a great time with them and uh, when the revolution comes you'll be first against the wall mate so watch out but also I won't be killing anyone in the revolution because I'm about restorative justice so we will just be taking all your things they're such lovely things though aren't they um yeah just just walk around with that phrase in your head cops aren't human just have my voice or one of the many voices i've demonstrated today normal slightly liverpool influenced this weird voice the bad norwegian accent man talking about probably very similar in uk yeah um any of those voices just saying cops aren't human keep that in your head and bear it in mind even if you don't like fully believe in it like yeah just carry that with you carry a little bit of me with you i'll always be with you and when there's only one set of footprints that's because i've laid down to take a nap because i skipped my modafinil for the day i'm so happy that you wanted to educate me on all of this Mm, very poorly educated because i don't have facts or stats i just have a general opinion that police are bad and i'm scrambling madly to justify that no, I think if people have, need the stats and stuff, they can, people can Google yeah, it. Yeah, Google it. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we even have schools anymore? You don't need to know things. We all have phones. <laughs> That's a whole, whole new topic. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you so much. Of course. Where can people follow you? It wasn't so much about you. It was just you educating us, but people still might want to That was some mean rambling at the beginning. Old, and I yeah. think I mentioned at one point that I have a new girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Do you want people yeah. to follow her? I yeah. just want to mention that. Uh, no, I mean, I'll retweet her, retweet her and then they can follow. Yeah, but yeah, just follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Edison. I have a Patreon that in theory has something coming out on it soon. Um, 
but also people seem happy to just throw money in there and support me because of my really good tweets and they like me as a person I'm very good at tricking people into liking me just enough for them to give me a little bit of money and not want anything in return it's a good skill to have in capitalism um yeah so follow me twitter.com slash aedison a-e-d-i-s-o-n I do try and tweet about how the present is orange uh so if that's going to blow your mind too much uh watch out thank you so much thank you thank you so much for listening uh and hey well done for making it all the way through not that it isn't interesting what you said i just i don't know i think i was just scared that a lot of people were going to be um kind of i don't know i don't, I really want to know how you think of what you think about this episode i mean i obviously agree with avery and everything she says but i know that what she says is um probably controversial to some people and I I think that's what I... I don't remember if I said this on the record or if I said that to her afterwards, but I could feel I could feel that I got provoked, but I could feel that it was just my feelings and not my logic, because my logic agrees with her. But I could feel that my feeling... Like, the, it was um, challenging. I had to challenge some of my core instincts, which is good. Like that's what we all need to do. Like in in your core instincts, that's where racism and homophobia and sexism and all that stuff is stored, because that's the things you learn from the beginning. So I kind of had to admit that she was right, thus, you know, having to change my whole view of the world and how I um, perceive safety and community and punishment and revenge and anger, which is, I mean, it's healthy as fuck having to do that, but. Yeah, challenging. So I hope that you can, even if you feel the same, I hope that you want to explore what she said if you strongly disagree. Because it's, I know we've not been exposed to this kind of reasoning before. Or maybe not. You probably, I mean, you might have. Um, I hadn't, and I think most people haven't. But yeah, thank you for listening all the way through. And uh, I hope it changed something if you weren't already on board. I loved it. And you know what? If you don't agree, you don't have to agree. But, you know, eventually, uh, I imagine you will uh, come back around uh, <laughs> when Avery Edison ends up uh, ruling the world. So uh, thank you to all of you for listening through and for supporting the podcast. It means everything. Um, of course, your support in terms of t- uh, tweeting about the podcast, telling your friends about it. Um, sharing it on social media, uh, giving it five-star ratings, all of that means everything. It means the world when you wear the T-shirt. And and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't make any money off the T-shirts at all, but I love watching you wear it because it makes me so happy. So it's sweet, me, the pictures, and keep doing all of that. It's I know I'm not like, that active on my uh, on Podmo, the Twitter page, but it's still... I still love it when you sign up for that and you follow and retweet and stuff. Um, uh, another thing that you do, which is awesome, I, every once in a while I get an email saying someone's a patron, like someone signed up to support the the podcast financially. Someone's given a one-off do- donation via PayPal. It means the world. There's so many uh, costs combined with doing this podcast and it's just me. And then I have my uh, my editor or whatever you want to call it, Sarah, who, who edits it for me. Otherwise, I swear to God, this would never come out. 
Um, but I also have people uh, translate. Uh, it's not translating, but um, what's it called? Transcribing the episodes as well, so the people who uh, can't hear uh, um, can read the episodes, and, and everyone can read the episodes if they can uh, uh, read or if they want to. Is what I'm saying. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I have. A, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to do with this, and I, I'm doing live shows now, and I'm, you know, I want to take it places. Um, so yeah, it means the world to me that you support it financially, and you can do that on mopod.com, m-o-h-p-o-d.com, or you can go to patreon.com forward slash mopod, m-o-h-p-o-d. And if you give uh, five dollars or more per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, meaning you'll get access to a, a, a bit of a special content, but you also get to hear me butcher your name in uh, every episode uh, because I want to give you a personal thank you, like a shout out. So get ready for this. I want to say a huge, huge thank you to these people who make uh, my life better and who are in some ways co-creators of the podcast. You cannot um, claim uh, that in uh, in illegal terms to say. So a huge, huge, huge thank you to... Kathy Traxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Winkrith, Marnie Biles, Phil Webelis, uh, Rachel Furlick, Zoe Cumberland, George Pearson, Marbles Lost, Nancy Grisdale, Ragdoll, uh, Taylor Marshall, Nina Collingwood, Camilla Overall, Jessica, Sheena Robinson, George Mugg, Jane Mahoney, Mansour Mir, Hannah Keel, Helena Thomas, Ewan Wilkie, Josie, Lily, Rob Crossan, Harry Minnett, Minnett, Cecil Fjeldsun, Rachel Hemsley, Maury Fraser, Lucy, Ilan Olofsson, Susie Tyler, Rachel Kraftman, Kirsten Davidson, Purdy Patterson, Steph Reem, Ruth Harvey, Bethany Dahlstrom, Katie Hatfield, Robin Kappa, James Frew, Karen Frethaway, Russell Hughes, Ida Sergo Larsen, Inga Ellingsen, Caleb Melchior, Dr. Boda Cycle, Emma Chan, Kathy Beveridge, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Grace Suter, Kat Piller, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Eikersith, Daniel Ravishid. Phew. You uh, guys make my life better, and I want to thank you ever so much. Uh, I also want to thank Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, to Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. I will speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.